everywhere we go, I have to hear this, oh, Bob. And uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing the impact he's made on these kids' life because it's completely genuine on their part. They, they are so grateful for the opportunity he afforded them. And uh, I can say that he afforded them to it. We, we the IHSA, do it, but if Bob hadn't come up with the concept, it wouldn't be there. And a lot of kids wouldn't have the uh, opportunities they've had today. Welcome to Practical Horseman's Podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Sandy Olenek, and this week's episode is with the Intercollegiate Horse Shows Association's Bob Cascione and Peter Cashman. Founded by Bob in 1967, when he was a college student himself, the IHSA's goal is to give college students the opportunity to participate in equestrian competition regardless of financial status or riding level. The organization welcomes beginners through advanced riders in hunter seat equitation, western horsemanship, and reining. These riders can compete both individually and on a team. With more than 400 colleges that participate and more than 10,000 members, the IHSA eliminates the expense of horse ownership. Horses for the local, regional, and zone competitions, as well as the IHSA National Championship, are furnished by host colleges. To ensure fairness, at each competition, students draw to find out the horses they will be riding. And they are not allowed to school the horses ahead of their rides. It's like the ultimate catch-riding experience. Bob, Peter, and I spoke at the Ada Trade Show last summer and covered the basics of the IHSA, its mission, how Bob started it, how it works. We also talk about the educational provides as well as the camaraderie between students and colleges. To fill you in on their background, Bob has been recognized for his commitment to college riding with the USHJA President's Distinguished Service Award, the U.S. Equestrian Equus Foundation Humanitarian Award, a Doctor of Humane Letters from Centenary College, and the American Horse Publications Equine Industry Vision Award. Peter Cashman is the IHSA's first vice president. He has been with the West Point Cadet Intercollegiate Team at the U.S. Military Academy in New York for 30 years and serves as a stable manager. He also coaches the team with his wife, Sherry, who wrote a training article on strengthening your base of support for Practical Horseman magazine a few years ago. Before moving on to the conversation, I want to thank the sponsor of today's podcast, Cosequin, and share a brief message. Cosequin is the number one veterinarian recommended joint health supplement brand. With one of its four formulas, Cosequin Original, Cosequin Optimized with MSM, Cosequin ASU, and Cosequin ASU Plus, there's a product suited for all horses at any stage of life. Their $10 rebate on ASU and ASU Plus large tubs gives you back an extra $10 on their most advanced formulas. Learn more at CosequinEquine.com. When performance matters, choose Cosequin. Now, let's jump right into the discussion, which starts with Bob talking about the IHSA's mission. The Intercollegiate Horse Show Association is an organization um, I founded to help young riders, college students, um, learn how to ride and get into the show ring. 
and we have eight different levels. It goes from walk trot all the way up to metal McClay riders, and on the western side, walk jog all the way up to reining. So it's a beginner entry level, um, and all those levels in between. Yeah, and this is Peter Cashman. Um, Bob's other part of the concept is that it's very affordable. You know, the kids go to a horse show. They don't have to bring a horse. You don't have to prepare to bring anything with you other than your riding attire. You show up at the horse show. You draw a horse out of a hat, which makes it very strong in catch riding. And then for a minimal amount, you get to show the horse. Nowhere else can you do that and get to show the kind of opportunities you have. And as Bob stated earlier, you know, you go from the regional shows all the way up to the championship. And, you know, uh, you're yearly costs are under $1,000. I mean, it's, it's amazing the opportunity that Bob founded with this principle. And as he stated, we have eight disciplines from open to walk trot. So we have a great group of introductory kids into the sport that is uh, bringing a whole new group into the industry. So talking a little bit about uh, that, you know, what this is, if, if you go to college and it has uh, an IHSA team, you can really, anyone is open to join that team. You don't have to have prior riding experience necessarily. Um, you don't have to have had a horse. And uh, so you join your team and then you attend, uh, maybe just walk us through that. Like if, if you're at college and you want to join your team, then what happens and what can you expect to happen um, exactly what you said, Sandy. Um, you come to college, if maybe you rode in camp when you were 10 years old and never rode again, and you find out there is an equestrian team at the school, you can go there and join and be part of it, and there's a place for you, okay? And um, uh, it works. It's, it becomes a team camaraderie. And um, these kids, they, they work with each other also. Uh, many times I go to these shows and I see the open riders are finished riding. They take their jackets off, roll up their sleeves, and they're helping the walk trot and the walk trot canter kids and the novice kids um, with their organization, getting on and helping them <clears throat> get into the ring, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a great team camaraderie and work um, to make it happen for everybody. Yeah, just one little add-on there is that... Um not every college program is the same. So your obligation when you select your college that you want to go to, you need to go to the stable, meet the coach, ask him how that region runs, uh, what your opportunities will be to show, how many children are on the team, how many lessons you'll be required to take. So as a student going to college, you, need, you have an obligation to not only find out about the college academic side, but what the writing programs have to offer and make sure everything fits because this is a very formative four years of your life. And as Bob stated, the, the writing aspect is so important because it gives you that instant group of friends so you're not alone. So a lot of you will be going to college and it'll be the first time you're away from home. And to have that instant group of people who are like-minded really will carry the day for you. And then, as you're saying, Peter, you know, it, each... Um each team is different, run a little bit differently. I mean, it, they follow the same principles, but a little bit different. Um, and in addition to, you know, perhaps learning to ride, or it, it seems like there's a variety. There's the beginner people, but then there's the, the people who have shown um, extensively in their career. And so you're all the same members of a team. Um, and then you were talking a little bit 
um, maybe you can talk about uh, working your way through the competitions and then through the regional competitions and the zone competitions to the national championships which are held every year. Well, there are now over 400 colleges in the country. There are 39 regions in the country. So you're at your school and it's in a particular region. You show in that region from September to about the end of March. And then by then, all 39 regions have to have regional finals. And then by the first weekend in April, all eight zones have to have their zone finals. So you qualify on a point system and you move up the ranks, but once you qualify on the point system with the magic number of 36, you then are qualified for regionals. If you win first or second at regionals in your division, you then go on to zones. And the zones now encompass five regions in every zone except one, it has four. But as we grow, that will change. And then from zones, you then qualify for the national championships. And the national championships rotate around the country. And the top 425 riders from the entire country, both English and Western, qualify to get to the national championships. Right. And as Bob mentioned at the end, you know, we do have a very strong contingency of Western riders. Um, there's only six divisions of the Western, um, but it's run on the same basis, same point system. So again, if and some colleges ride both. So again, it's it's the student and the parent's obligation to investigate what the school has to offer. Uh, I can't emphasize enough that each in the program, each program is an individual program based on what the school's needs and desires are. So don't. Don't say, well, I grew up near this college, so that's how it is. You don't know how it'll be somewhere else. You need to learn how to ask questions and find out because, as I stated earlier, this is a very important part of it. You, we don't want you disillusioned by going to a school uh, for you young riders and, and thinking, well, I'm going to necessarily ride and then get there and find out that you're going to be on the shelf for two years. Um, so do your homework. And there are, you know, in addition to riding, there are... are Riding obviously is is very important to a lot of people, but um, say at nationals, it it even though there's a certain number of kids who can go, um, with the, the times I've been there, it's there's as you said has been a lot of camaraderie and different jobs that 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 people are taking. There are some students who are the barn managers, and maybe can you speak a little bit about the different uh, other different opportunities at the national championships wherever it is in the country. Um, Approximately 425 riders qualify. We bring in a little over 150 horses, and we end up using 150 horses, and that's between English and Western. And they are reviewed by a review committee. The Hunt Seat has a group, and the Western has a group. So they're classified themselves, the horses. We have 16 like walk trot horses and 16 like novice horses, etc., etc. So that's uh, um, a whole program in itself, and it works because you want that um, similarity at nationals so no one has an advantage or disadvantage uh, going forward there. And we have approximately 2,000 people, parents, friends, coaches that show up from all over the country. 
So that's why we go to the larger venues now in this country. Uh, the Kentucky Horse Park, Harrisburg, um, the, um, uh, uh, the Big E in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, this year we're going to be at the New York State Fair, uh, Fairgrounds at the new Expo Center. Uh, we've been to Raleigh. We've been to the LA Equestrian Center where the Olympics were held. We've been to Conyers Farm in Georgia where the Olympics were held. So it's great that we have the opportunity to give these riders an opportunity to even come and experience many of these large venues. Yeah, and back to your, I think your original part of the question was the, the young kids who come and volunteer are the unsung heroes. They make this horse show work. Um, the kids who are in back in the barn mucking stalls, preparing horses at five in the morning, they get absolutely nothing out of it except maybe helping some other kid from their region um, have an opportunity to have a great show. Um, we approximately get maybe 100 to 110 volunteers, and, and these kids, they, you know, they basically get a meal out of it for the day, and we give them four to a room for a motel, and um, you know, we'd like to make it sound more glamorous, but it's not. Um, but those, you know, we have coaches and students that all volunteer time. The whole Intercollegiate Horse Show Association, except for a few minor positions, uh, are volunteer. And uh, that's also part of Bob's concept, that you have to give back to the intercollegiate. And we have so many young students who graduate and then come back as coaches because they see the value in it and they see the team camaraderie. But, yeah, those, those people who come and do everything from helping seat people to work in the office to grooming horses to picking up piles of manure, you know, somebody has to do it. And, and, it, and they, they all do it with a, with a happy heart, and it's, it's phenomenal to see. Because, uh, as I stated earlier, that's, that's what makes the horse show. And at the local level, um, you know, as riders are qualifying, you know, for the regionals and then the zones, are those shows specific to IHSA or do they go to, to open horse shows to qualify? Can you talk a little bit about that process? Uh, no, for qualifying in the IHSA, you have to do an IHSA horse show. That doesn't mean you can't go out and you're, you're you know, if your program uh, has the availability um, I'll speak a little bit about Centenary University where my two children went to, uh, they have other options that they can go out and do local horse shows and they have a, a hunter team, they have a uh, dressage team, so they have multiple outlets. There's other colleges who, but they're a varsity sport. There are other colleges, it's a club sport and you basically get one, two lessons a week. Um, you know, and it's a farm that you have to get together in a car and drive to and so, so again, as I've, I, I've emphasized earlier, you, you really need to check out your programs. Some are very well organized, very well put together, um, lessons every day, uh, opportunities to do other things besides just the IHSA, and others are bare bones minimum. Um, it's for cost effectiveness and, and students who are really trying to hone in on their academics, and the writing is just an outlet for them. So, you know, you, you have to make that choice. What is it you're looking for? And, and, and the other side of it is, do you want an urban school or do you want a rural school? Do you want a large school or do you want a small school? Where are you going to fit? You know, you might be eligible to one of the best Ivy League colleges in the country, but you need to go do a visit there and see if they're your fit. If they're not, that's not the place for you. You need to find a place where you're going to fit in and be comfortable. 
And one thing you mentioned was the at nationals, the 150 horses that you bring. And can you talk a little bit about the system of everybody? You, there's a draw for the horses, so nobody's ridden the the horse. Um, nobody knows the horse that they're riding, and and why that system why that system is in place. And is it in place for the regionals and the zones, or how exactly how does that work? It's in place all the way through the year, so it makes an even playing field for everyone even at the national championships. So, um, and it works. Um, but I also want to add to that, the coaches around the country, um, which I think is part of the backbone of the whole intercollegiate. When you see some of these coaches that have been involved in the intercollegiate for 18, 20, 22 years, I mean, that's that tells you something. But they have their own credentials in the horse world, whether it's the Hunseat side with the USEF or USHJA or the Western side with the AQHA or the NRHA. We have two Western coaches that are horsemen of the year with the AQHA. And we have the same caliber on the Hunseat side. I mean, Skidmore College, Centenary College, Savannah College of Art and Design, St. Lawrence, um, um, Stanford University, just to name a few colleges around the country uh, where these credentials are there. And they're very strong with their intercollegiate programs. That says a lot as the backbone of IHSA. Yeah, and turning back to the horses we bring in, um, as Bob said, we bring in approximately 150. But we probably use 80%. Because they're all good horses, but they might not fit the group. Or they might just not want to play that day. Um, so we bring in more than we actually use, but as Bob stated, our selection committee um, really, really work hard at putting a group of horses together so every kid is walking in that ring feeling that they've got a proper horse that's a like horse to the other horses in the ring. So nobody's riding the little paint as opposed to everybody else riding the warm, warm blood. There's nothing wrong with the little paints, but do they fit in that group? And that's the hard concept. I bring horses every year, and not always do my horses get used. And, and, you know, you want your horse used because we all love our horses, but you have to understand that what that selection committee is doing is trying to make sure that every person in that ring feels like they had as fair an opportunity to win that class as anybody else. It wasn't that their horse wasn't appropriate. So that's huge. That really, that's, that's a concept we've worked on for years, and we've been working on making it better and better every year. And uh, it's so important to making the Nationals work the way it does. I'd just like to add one more thing about the judges. We have USEF judges on the Hunseat side and AQHA, NRHA judges on the Western side. And at Nationals, there are two large R judges on the Hunseat side, and we have two Western judges. So, you know, the, the credentials are there also. It, this is uh, a major event, a major undertaking and a major event at the same time. And just to finish up, we have to remember this is based off of the rider, not the horse. So, you know, whereas we work hard as we can to get the horses like so that we don't have the judges have one that they're staring at, um, it, it is based off of the ride. Um, and then in terms of the riders, and I believe this is the same throughout, you know, right from the beginning through regionals and zones, um, can you talk a little bit about how much time the horse, uh, the rider has to prepare the horse? It's, it's pretty, pretty quick. <laughs> Simple answer. There's none. 
you're technically by the rules not allowed to really make contact with your horse's face outside the ring. When you get on that horse, someone else has schooled it. So it's not like you're getting on an unknown because if you go to a horse show in the morning, there's a schooling period and you, you need to be with your coach up at the ring watching that horse get schooled. And it's normally an, uh, another IHSA rider who either just graduated or who's not riding that day who's schooling the horse. So you're seeing a like type rider as yourself and you're watching how that horse approaches jumps and what leg they need, what leg they don't need, you know, is a crop appropriate. All those things are your obligation as the, as the catch rider to figure out from them so that when you get on that horse in the warm-up area, you walk right into the ring, and that's when you make connection with your horse. You do an opening circle, and you approach your first fence. And it's, it sometimes is a little rude awakening for people who are used to riding horses that, you know, kind of they understand and they respond to their leg. These horses are older and school horses, and sometimes if you don't ride them correctly, they're going to give you an education. <laughs> right. And that, I mean, it seems like that... Um it harkens back to being a good horseman that you, that you, as you said, you're looking at everything that's going on with that horse. And, you know, and the other part of it is, is this is educational. You have a bad first fence. What do you do? You put it behind you and you ride to the next fence. You know, you, you don't quit on your ride. You don't, you, you just make sure that, you know, every step you're taking, you're learning more because guess what? You refuse a fence. Maybe somebody else refuses it twice. So, you know, don't ever quit on your ride. Uh, ride every step and, and learn from it because it's going to happen to everybody. I don't know of any horseman I've ever heard of who have not had a stop at a fence. I'd just like to add, you know, since it is catch ride, the more catch ride you do, the better you're going to be anyway, the more horses you ride. So just to qualify for the regionals, the zones, and get to nationals is a feat in itself. So when you're at nationals, yeah, you want to pay attention and do all these things, but it's still a catch ride, and it's great. It, it makes, it works. And, and just in addition for people who aren't familiar, there is the availability of asking for a re-ride if, if you feel that your horse uh, was unduly interfered with by noises outside the ring or other things. Um, that's the opportunity your coach has if they feel that you didn't get a fair shake to go to the stewards and ask, can that be reviewed? The stewards have that decision-making process. They can choose to consult with the judges, but it's not necessary. And they can either say yes or no to a rewrite. So, Bob, uh, you were the founder of the IHSA. Um, obviously, you had help along the way, but could you talk a little bit about how the IHSA came into being? What um, it, it celebrated its 50th birthday in 2017. Um, just how, how you came up with the idea and how you um, carried it out. Well, I was able to sh horse show a little bit on the English side uh, growing up, and um, I welcomed that opportunity, thanked my parents. But when I was ready for college, there were four of us going to college in a six-year period. My parents said, riding stops right here, right now. So I had to go to college with no nothing. And I wanted to continue to ride with the possibility of maybe continuing to horse show if I could. So I started a little club at Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey, the TNEC campus, up by the George Washington Bridge where there were no horses. 
and I found some horses in a little public park two miles off campus and I formed a little club with six riders including myself and went there and said Johnny I'm gonna bring you five riders they'll pay you for the hour I'll instruct them for nothing will you give me a free horse for the hour to stay in the saddle so that kept me riding all of a sudden, the word got out at college, Bob is giving free horseback riding lessons. My club went to 40 members overnight. So the school came to me and said, we're going to put this in the physical education credit as a one-credit PE course next year. Will you teach it? And at the age of 18 and a sophomore, I became the youngest faculty member ever at the history of the university while still a student. I was an undergrad. And then along the way, I met Jack Fritz, the coach at the Madison campus, but he was also secretary of the USET at the time. He was involved with the Pony Club, three-day eventing, cross-country, dressage, and everything else. He was um, a master with horses. Um, and he was dean of history, but he had a riding club. And we got along very well, and I called him up, and I said, Jack, I want to have a horse show. Please come up, and let's compete against each other. But don't bring horses. I'll charge an entry fee to everybody, including me. I was a rider. And we'll pick these horses out of a hat that I'll rent up here for the day. And that's how it started. And the first show was 40 riders, six classes, and a little Gymkhana. I put a little four-inch story. There are other publications out there in the Chronicle of the Horse. And they ran this four-inch story. Six colleges called me. Uh, from Long Island, New Jersey, uh, different places, and asked if I would have another horse show in the spring of that year, and I did, and they all came, and when they got there, I said, time out. Next year, you have a show, you have a show, you have a show, and the IHSA was born, and I never looked back. But Jack Fritz was a major mover and shaker with me to help move this forward. And then CW Post College came in and Jersey City State and Stony Brook University and others. And that's how it happened. And um, I, I mean, you want to add to this, Peter? Well, being much younger than Bob, I wasn't around for the early days. Um, but he forgot to mention West Point was one of the early starters, too. So. We've been in this from not the beginning, but I think two years in. Um, and the concept is the same. The mission statement has remained the same. Give every kid an opportunity to ride in college, regardless of level, financials, whatever. And, and that's the great beauty of this. I mean, it's the, the concept is so simple. You have to wonder why it was never come up with before. And I will say that I think if you look around the country, there's a lot of major organizations who have kind of glommed on to Bob's concept of team and see the value. I mean, first of all, the IEA was founded off of the IHSA. There's dressage that's founded off of it. There's three-day eventing founded off of it. There's saddle seat founded off of the IHSA concept of the team. Um, and that's a great aspect that, you know, normally in horseback riding, it's a, I don't mean it in a bad way, it's a selfish sport. It's you and your horse against everybody else. Well, in this, it's not. Um, we have, great example, we had a, a not-to-be-mentioned great horseman come to one of our universities to try and get a good idea of what the IHSA is about. And so we had two coaches work with this individual and, and others, and uh, they did like an IHSA class. And uh, this, this, this individual was, was told how to ride the horse. 
And they went out there and they were slick. And oops, they had to stop. And they realized that it wasn't just about me having a stop. I hurt the team. And that's where you have to think differently when you ride for a team. You know, do I go for all the glory? Is that appropriate at this juncture? Or do I get points? What do I do? So it's just a, it, it's a whole different concept of riding because it's not just, oh, heck, I'll go for it, hell-bent for leather, and if I don't win, so what? Now, that's fine when it's an individual class, but when you're working as a team rider and your points really matter and four points are going to win the show as opposed to seven points for the win, do you be safe, take the bigger turn, and go in there and ride to ride? And that's what this individual learned, and, and they did. They, they grasped that concept, but for the average horseback rider, that's, that's a, new, a new theory that they haven't really thought about. So uh, I am so happy to see all these young rider programs and, and teams and stuff that are out there formulating, not just because it's great for them as horsemen, but it's great for them as individuals. I'd like to add one thing. Now that we're in over 400 colleges and we have over 10,000 riders a year, in the past, we have had riders as college students, before they went on with the rest of their lives, okay, ride and win the Cashon Cup. BZ Patton Madden, Greg Best, Peter Weil, Mark Weisbecker. Mark went on to the three-day Olympic team, and the other three went on to the jumping Olympic team. I'm very proud of that. But many other riders, too, have come through the IHSA, and many of them are now out in the horse industry today, which I'm very proud of. Okay, I know one for a fact who did win the Cashon Cup in the past is now a surgeon in one of the biggest hospitals in Boston, but she still has a private horse herself and rides on weekends when she can and stuff. So it, it, we have the gamut of students that come through this, but I'm very proud of, but it's the same credentials on the Western side also. We have many riders that have qualified and got on to Congress and the World Show in the, the quarter horse world. So I'm very proud of that. I believe when uh, you, you mentioned that when you started it, it was largely the hunter seat equitation. That was the, the, the foundation for it. Can you talk a little bit about how it has, uh, the organization has evolved over the years? You've added the Western, but talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, we started from with six riders and, and look at us today, but as we kept growing and we opened up at one time Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, Illinois, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, and Michigan, at one time that was one region with over 400 college, uh, riders, rider, but that's all changed now. They called the people running the intercollegiate, including myself, and said, Bob, we have Western here. We have coaches, we have horses, we have the riders. What could you do? So I said, very simply, you have three shows this year in Western that don't count for points. You come up with some rules, and in each show, make your rules better and better. Bring them to the year-end board meeting at the national championships, and let's discuss it. And that happened in 1977-78, and 78-79, May of 79, Western was in officially and came to nationals, and it's been there ever since. And now Western has been with us now 40 years as of this past year in the intercollegiate. So we're very proud of that fact. So the intercollegiate keeps growing and growing, and um, 
part of it is the high school group that's out there now because these students know the formula because they have to pick a horse out of a hat. Now they want to continue and they want to go to an intercollegiate college and continue their riding program. Yeah, and as Bob just mentioned, there's multiple high school riding programs out there and there's mul mul multiple college discipline ridings out there. Um, so you, again, you need to do your homework, I keep going back to that, and find out where you fit, what's, what's the best fit for you in your college career. Um, as far as the, the formulating of the Western and English, it's um, a bit of an insane process. We put 45 people on our board, all regional presidents, zone chairs, uh, horsemen from varied backgrounds, and we sit in a room and we hash out every year. <laughs> Um, new ways of doing our, our, our classes, um, new rules and restrictions, get rid of rules and restrictions. And it's, it's quite amazing to see a, a cowboy from Ohio working with a, a hunt seat guy from New York, and they're working on the same committee, um, cross-pollinating the two disciplines, trying to figure out how to make the whole IHSA work for everybody. Um, it's Again, it's one of those unique things that Bob's concept has brought together these people from different disciplines and different backgrounds. And uh, it's a little insane getting the work done, but by the end of the four days, we've probably either wore each other down so much that we come to some kind of uh, consistency with the, the program going forward, uh, or we decide to part ways and leave that alone for another time. But it's, it's, it's all, you know, Bob's, Bob's dream about putting this together. Like he said, you know, he started with six colleges, and they sat at a kitchen table, and they started the concept of the IHSA. Um, I don't know who came up with the name, um, but um, it was you know it was a small group of people. Bob's taking credit; they're all gone, so you know he can do that. <laughs> but um, but it's just it's really amazing for anybody who's been on the fringes of it, uh, either as a rider or a coach or a parent. The number of parents who come up to Bob. We're, we we travel airports, restaurants go into any, any horse industry business room. Oh, Bob, I rode for so-and-so and so-and-so. We, we are currently here at Ada, the trade show for the horse industry, and everywhere we go, I have to hear this. Oh, Bob. And uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing the impact he's made on these kids' life because it's completely genuine on their part. They, they are so grateful for the opportunity he afforded them. And uh, I can say that he afforded them to it. We, we the IHSA, do it, but if Bob hadn't come up with the concept, it wouldn't be there, and a lot of kids wouldn't have the uh, opportunities they've had today. Let me just add, as Peter indicated, there are 45 board members in that room. There are 45 personalities. But at the end of the day, we come out, and it's all about IHSA, and it works. And I'm very proud of that. One of our biggest problems is our growth. And to have that as a problem, I'm happy about that. And we'll deal with it, okay? And as, as Peter alluded to, especially early on when you were starting this, this wasn't, um, you had a day job, uh, so you're fitting this in. And, and Peter, you're obviously very busy at West Point. What, what, it is, what is it about, especially the two of you, and then maybe you know, speaking about the committee members, that um, drives you? You know, you this is a big operation. You wouldn't have to do this. What, what is it about? Um, why, why do you do this, I guess? This isn't what I do. This is who I am. And it always will be. Yeah, you touched on a little soft thought there for Bob. Um, 
but uh, it, it, no, the, the rewards, you know, far outweigh the effort. I mean, we, for myself, I have Army officers who are five and six year graduated who email me and say, you know, Peter, I finally got the things you were talking about. I, it's not just about the horseback riding. It's about the life lessons and helping them grow and become who they can be. And the rewards far outweigh the effort that we put forward. And as I said, I said before, but I'll reiterate, I'm proud to see these graduates out there now, many of them in the industry. Um, and going forward with, maybe they're not teaching, but there's so many things in this industry that they could be doing, and they are, that I'm proud to see that. And it is open doors for many of the riders once they graduate. Okay, with the team camaraderie and the IHSA and everything. And we've spoken a little bit about nationals. Um, you know, the times I've been there at Harrisburg, um, there is definitely a great feeling. Uh, we've touched on it that it's a team experience. How do you how do you facilitate that? That uh, it's it does feel like a, no other horse show you're at, where it, it is because it's a team effort. And even you know, certainly within the teams, but even among the teams, um, it, it's. It's just a different feeling. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I'm going to start with energy. It's the energy in that facility once they all get there. And that's where I get my energy from, from them. Um, and it's generated. And it just goes through the whole week that we're there and the four days of the showing. Um, and does one team try and show off on another team? I'm not so sure of that. I think they're just all there for the same reason, and they all work together, and um, it's the energy and the coaches and um, the kids. Well, here, here's the, the crux of the matter. It doesn't start at the National Horse Show. It ends at the National Horse Show. It starts at the first show of the season because if your team doesn't make it, you helped the team that did make it because you rode against them. You made them ride competitively. Every show was a challenge. You know, the, in my region particularly, we're, <laughs> we're kind of custom to centenary winning. Um, but they have a great program. But we've, we take great pride in the fact that we challenge them at every horse show, at every level, to make their riders be strong and competitive. So when we get to the end of the year, we, we all root for Centenary going to zones. And then from zones, we all root for who in our zone makes it to nationals. So it, it doesn't end just because our season ends. They're representing us. We helped get them there. We fought with them in the, on the field of friendly strife to make it happen. And so we want that school, whoever you are, if you're from California and Stanford or Ohio State, you want that team to win because guess what? We only got beat by the national champions. So you, you kind of take that whole energy from the bottom up. And kids are watching the simulcast. And they want to see how the kids in their region that they rode again are doing at the nationals. And when that kid wins and you were second to him in the region, you feel pretty good about yourself. So it, it really starts at the first show of the season and ends with the nationals. So we've talked a lot about the team um the team aspect. There are also um, I, individual, the Cachillon Cup and um, the equivalent on the Western side, AQHA. AQHA. And um, could you, I guess, speak a little bit about how that comes about? 
Well, for the cash-on cup or even the AQHA, they have to qualify. Um, so they're in the open division, which is the highest level, flat and fences, and they have to uh, be the top rider in their region at the end of the show season in March. And they put their points together, flat and fences. Now they're the leading rider in that region. They automatically go to zones. And as I indicated, there are five regions in each zone except one. So those five riders, one from each region, will ride off at zones. And the top three, because there are eight zones, will then go forward to nationals. There are the 24 riders in the country in the Cachon Cup. The numbers are a little less, but it's the same format on the Western side. And when they get to nationals for the Cachon Cup, all 23, uh, 24 riders will flat, and then on a different horse picked out of a hat, they will do fences, and then the judges have the right to bring back and test whatever they want, two, four, six, up to 10 riders, since we give 10 placings. And that's how they win the Cachon Cup. And many times the judges do test the top two, four, or six riders. I would say, you know, for the Western people, the AQHA class and then the NRHA reigning class are the most important. And the hunt seat, of course, the Cachon and then the open fences. But right behind there, folks, I will tell you that if you want to see energy in the room, it's when that team and individual walk-trot class enter that ring. Everybody is there. Everybody is watching. Everybody's talking about how these kids look and how they're dressed and how they're riding. It's, it's exciting. To see, and it's their teammates and their coaches, and everybody is there watching that class. So, you know, and, and those kids in that walk-trot class, they get seven points just like the kid in the open fences. So they're just as valuable a team, and many a horse show has been won in the walk-trot division. So it's just so amazing to watch that at nationals because everybody starts crowding. If you ever pay attention, you'll see them crowding the ring, getting in their seats, watching that walk-trot class because it's just so valuable. And, and these kids are kids that, you know, oh, my God, they are so appreciative to, to, to be in that ring, in that class. And I think more of them are probably heartbroken than kids who have ridden a long time and had the experience of losing. These kids go there and they, they think they're, they're, you know, this is it. And if they don't win, they feel like, you know, they've really let their team down. And, and they haven't, obviously, but somebody has to win and somebody has to lose. But that's a concept you learn. And you touched upon reigning, which I, I uh, had left out. Can you talk about how that's evolved and what that participation is? Well, we have a strong, strong group of uh, reigning coaches, some of the founders of reigning um, out of Ohio, uh, Clark Bradley and uh, Ollie Griffith is a, is a very well-known reigning uh, guy. And we have a lot of good top reigning people. And, uh, you know, reigning is a very, very interesting aspect. It's you know, it's cowboy dressage. No, there is a cowboy dressage today, but it's it's unique because there's spins and circles, and um, it's it's really a lot of fun. And uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody who got on a reining horse and didn't instantly and fall in love with the the concept. Um, so it it's it's a two-headed sword because it's it's very difficult to find enough reiners to make it work. To ask people to donate their reining horse that have very very high values. Um, to donate them to us to use, uh, 
um, it, it's it's always a little heart stopping for us to to go through the raining, and when it works, it's phenomenal. You know, occasionally, unfortunately, it happens in regular raining classes. Somebody goes off pattern, too too big a circle or whatever, but um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's hooping and hollering. You know, it's not like a golf at match or a regular horse show where everybody's shh. They're screaming, they're hooping, they're hollering, and they're, you know, and they rush out in that ring and the hugs and kisses. It's unbelievable. So the energy there is very, very high. Um, so as you've mentioned, you know, all riders and all levels are really important, especially, well, throughout the whole process. Um, you mentioned uh, BZ Madden and Peter Wilde have been winners of the Cashion Cup, and they've certainly gone on to, to win Olympic gold medals. Um, do you remember anything about them or their rides? I well, Greg Best rode the same year as Peter Weil. Now, Greg went to U uh, University of Pennsylvania, and Peter Weil went to Tufts. So talk about competition in the same year. And Peter Weil won the Cashon Cup, and Greg got second. Greg won the Open Over Fences, and Peter got second. Okay? Uh, BZ was a standalone when she w got in that ring. She was fabulous. Um, and she deserved to win it, no question about it. But I'm also very proud to say, along the way now, we have riders that have qualified for the Cashon Cup, and maybe they didn't win it, but they did get to nationals, and they were there. And they're now working for either BZ or Peter at the moment, right now. And there's two or three of them. Cody Wooten is one. Um, um, Cassie... Uh, uh, Sharp is another. There are several of them that are doing that right now. Um, but that was great competition. But still, the competition is stronger and stronger each year, no matter who's in there today or yesterday or tomorrow, And as we see it going forward. Yeah, and we had two young men, Michael from Centenary and Adam from SCAD, that kind of battled throughout the year in different kinds of competitions, the ANRCs and, and other things. But it was always a friendly battle. You know, they, they cheered for each other. That's the great thing. You know, you see these kids, and at all, all the different levels, no matter where they finish, they're supporting each other. And, you know, one of the other great things about the IHSA is when, when a kid gets off a horse and you're coming up to approach to ride that horse, they try and give you good advice. And if, you, if it's the coach's, coach's horse and you're going in the ring, this is how you can ride the horse to win. Nobody wants that horse to have a bad trip or that rider to have a bad trip. It's not a nasty competition. It's a very friendly, supportive, warm competition. And um, there's certainly been a lot of memories at the IHSA, and this might be an unfair question to, to both of you, but what, what are, you know, one or two, do you have one or two favorite memories or something that sticks out in your mind throughout the years? Well, I was blessed to have both my daughters ride for Centenary, be captain, um, my, my, my oldest daughter was fourth in the open fences, and that was certainly a memory. Uh, both of them rode Huntseat and Western, so they both rode in the AQHA at nationals at the championship level. Um, but there's so many, you know, so many good, good memories um, inside and outside of the ring. Um, we, we just, it, it's always a party in a, in a good sense. Um, it's hard work, and everybody's exhausted at the end of nationals. But um, there's just so many good stories, so many positive stories about kids from different levels. And, you know, you'll get a story about a, a kid who can't afford to come, and the region chips in and finds a way to get him there. 
those are those are the important things. Horseback riding's nice. Winning in the ring's nice. But when these kids see somebody else in need, or God forbid, we have a kid with a terminal disease, and they chip in and do things for him, that's what's important. This other stuff is it's nice, but that's not what's really important. That these kids are learning valuable life lessons about how to treat each other and, and others and how they should be treated. That's what the sport should be about. I mean, I could tell stories about Chase Baggio and Jimmy Faircloud and many others that have won the Cashon Cup. Uh, John Pickett uh, along the way uh, that have won the Cashon Cup. But um, I have to, to answer your question. I think during the 50th anniversary, and we were in Kentucky, um, and during that event, and because it was the 50th anniversary of IHSA, um, the we did a banquet that night for everyone, programming 750 to 800 people to come to the banquet. 1,300 people showed up, including half of the USHJA offices and the USEF office people came over, um, the top people. And I was just honored by all of that. But there are so many memories, I don't know where to begin. I really don't. Very briefly, and I will not go into details. I just realized that maybe my fondest memory was the night we roasted Bob <laughs> for the 50th anniversary in the Florida meeting, and there will be no further discussion of that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I know you say uh, you know it's obviously been growing fast, and and um, but if someone, uh, either a student or a university or one of the schools, wanted to create an IHSA team, how do they go about doing that? It's really simple. It's uh, on our website, how to, how to start a team. Um, it's a minimal cost to the college. It's $300 to be a member, which I think in this day and age is a very, very reasonable rate. Uh, you have to designate a coach, uh, a college representative that we can go to to make sure that the school is actually involved. Um, and then the college takes over and decides how they want to put their program in place. Like I said, do they want to be a full-fledged varsity team um, collecting money and making the kids pay, or do they pay it out of some student fund, or how it's done? Some are done by student governments, some are done by the rec division, some are done by the athletic department. We, we don't care. Um, the coach has to pass safe sport. They have to take our coaches test so they understand our rules. We want them to understand concussion protocol. Those are our major requirements. Um, after that, you know, some some colleges come in and they only have three walk trot riders, a one 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 walk trotter, two walk trot canners, and a novice. And yes, they're not going to be competitive in the bigger scale, but it's their start. And other schools come in with 30, 40 kids. So. Each region, again, has to figure out how many they can put in a ring. So the concept is very simple. Putting it in, letting the region know that you're, you know, you're joining. The regional president will then give you the information you need and help you along the way. And uh, it's really, you know, we, we have new teams joining all the time, as Bob said, because growth is our problem. And, and it works. And sometimes it doesn't. Frankly, I mean, some colleges decide it's not the right fit. And, and I, I understand that. Every, every college has to do what's right for them, every group of kids and every coach. And, and if you don't, it's, it's like the pony club or any other function. If you don't have a good person in charge, it's not going to hold up. You have to have buy-in by the students, and you have to have somebody either on faculty or a coach that's going to fight for the program to make it work. Because let's face it, equine in college is a unique sport. 
We're not basketball, not football. We're not, you know, it's, and so most of the colleges look at us like, what are you? <laughs> and so you need to have somebody who's really an advocate. And most of the time, it's students, and, and they carry the ball, and they go, and they defend it and fight it and say, we want to have this. And uh, it's amazing. The colleges do listen. And one final question. Um, I guess, what are the future plans for IHSA? What do you, how do you see it going into the future? More of the same. Yeah. more. I agree with Peter. More of the same. Why change it? I mean, uh, at the moment, we see now over 250,000 students that have come through since the inception to where we are today. But oh, why, it, it, if the wheel isn't broke, don't fix it. You know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention in the setting we're in, we have such phenomenal support from sponsors, partners, industry partners, the USCF, USHJA, AQHA, NRHA, PHA, you, you can go on with all the acronyms you want. You know, they see that we are bringing in a group of people into the industry that aren't normally there. Um, we have a nice captive audience of 18 to 22 year olds that are great for the marketplace. But we also are introducing kids to the bigger horse show world, you know. And so the USEF and the other mega organizations, they want us to be here because we do. We do bring in the kids who haven't been horse showing all their life and, and are coming at it from a different perspective. And hopefully they're going to get a college education. And some are going to choose to be professionals in the horse industry, but others are going to go out and get a real job and afford to keep those of us who didn't do that um, in business. And thank you all for that because we like our having our jobs, boss. <laughs> um, we have been asked by Longine to do some kind of an event at one of their events in the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island this past April. And it was spearheaded through Michael Dowling from Centenary University in New Jersey. And it was a form of a Cachon Cup class. And it was those riders, open riders or um, existing this past year Cachon Cup qualifiers that rode. And they had to pick a horse out of a hat. We supplied the horses, but they were all IHSA riders. And from, and it was very successful, by the way, out there. And, um, the young man from Bridgewater College won that event that day, but it was right up there on top with four top Centenary College, uh, Penn State, and Bridge and St. Lawrence, Skidmore, and Bridgewater. They were all right there. Um, and now we've been asked, IHSA has been asked to do some kind of format at the National Horse Show in Kentucky and also at WEF this year, this winter. And many others are coming to talk to us. And I respect that and take that as an honor going forward. Um. No, it is an honor because it's, it's a way of us showcasing our riders that, you know, they're not just college kids. They can ride a horse. Um, so we are looking at different avenues of how to put different kinds of classes to differently showcase uh, the abilities and, and also kind of give a, a little history of the IHSA. So there's a lot of people, surprisingly, who are um, not familiar with us. A lot of top coaches don't really understand when their kids start talking about going to college um, what to tell them. And so that's one of the things that we have to continue to do, continue education on, is to help, you know, these top 
show dry, uh, programs uh, get their kids into the right college space. And there's the NCEA out there, there's the IHSA, there's the ANRC, and you have to figure out what, what's going to work for you. In, and, and most importantly, I don't care what, what acronym you want to ride for, get the college education you deserve. That's what you're there for. Horseback riding is phenomenal. Um, as Peter Wilde proved and Greg Best proved, you can go to a non-equine science college and you can be a great rider and you can go on and do things. You don't have to have a system. Other kids need a system. So you really need to take the time to figure out what your path is going to be. And I know that's a lot to ask of a 17-year-old. Getting ready to go to college, what do you want to do in life? I mean, everybody wants to be the next top rider. But guess what? <laughs> that doesn't happen but once in a lifetime for a very select group of people. But that doesn't mean you can't be successful in the horse industry and you can't be successful in life and you can't be a great doctor, lawyer, plumber, electrician, whatever it is, and still ride horses. So, you know, I, I, I can tell you that there are programs out there. I work with the College Preparatory Invitational, the IEA, all these programs for high school students. Um, and, and you need to start looking as a sophomore seriously at what kind of schools you're looking at and, and realize you don't pick a school because of its school colors or because it was the biggest party school last year. Those are no-nos. You really need to do research if you went, for example, to a small parochial school and you had a lot of teacher assistance. Maybe that's what you need to continue. You know, as opposed to going into an NYU where you're one of 150 people in the classroom, they call your name, and what you get out of it is what you put into it. You know, and that's not bad. It's different. And different is what you have to figure out, how you want to be familiar. If, if you're good in a big urban setting, that's great. But don't make the decision to go to a school that's not going to fit you, whatever the writing program is. And in the intercollegiate, out of the over 400 colleges now, we have the smallest college in the country, St. Mary's of the Woods, with 300 students, to the, well, now, I think it's three largest colleges in the country. You have Arizona, you have Ohio State, and you have Michigan, with over 60,000 students. And we have the gamut, you know, 41,000 at Penn State. And I can go on and on. Centenary and Skidmore, they're all different. They're all different. So I agree with Peter 100%. So very proud of all of this. And we're very proud of our relationship with your organization. You guys have been good to us throughout the years. Great. Well, thank you. It's been a wonderful relationship, and hopefully it will continue for many, many years. And uh, thank you to both of you for uh, your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode with the IHSA's Bob Cashione and Peter Cashman. I also want to thank the sponsor of today's show, Cosequin, makers of Cosequin Original, Cosequin Optimized with MSM, Cosequin ASU, and Cosequin ASU Plus. You can find more information about which formula is right for your horse at CosequinEquine.com. And be sure to stay tuned for future podcast conversations with stable manager extraordinaire Lee Good and eventing Olympian Boyd Martin. I'd really appreciate your feedback, so if you have time, please rate and review the show. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.